You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today we're talking about new products. So... It's trade show season, even though trade shows have looked a little different this year. It's a new product season. This is the time of year where where companies announce their new products and and new things they're bringing to market. So we talk about a few that caught our eye and that we thought maybe you should be aware of. Some things that that we thought are are interesting or, or at least worth discussing. So that's what we talk about in this episode. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub makes a really good deer feed product. Not only do they have their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed, which is a it's a high-protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in. You can get bunches of different additives added into it. That's a, that's a great product, but they also have flavored corn. It's, it, it, it turns regular corn into a long-range attractant. And then they also have just straight mineral. So we're getting into shed season and watching your trail cameras for when those bucks start dropping is a great way to know when it's time to, to start looking for them without risking bumping the deer off your property and them shedding somewhere else. So... Monster White Tail Grub is a great tool for that. And if you're interested, go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors. There's information in how to on how to get in touch with Monster White Tail Grub, how to order some of their stuff, and keep an eye on your deer. So with that, let's get into the conversation on new products. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. 
Are you listening? All right, guys. So it's uh, yeah. a cold, snowy day today. So good day to, to talk about uh, yeah. new products, new product season. So we did an episode. Jake, you weren't on it, but Jeff and I did an episode on some of the new crossbow technology that that was announced this year. And and after that episode, there was a few other crossbows from from Raven that were announced um, that we didn't mention in that episode. So lots of new things. Um, if you missed that episode, that was a good conversation. The title on that one was "Have Crossbow Have Crossbows Gone Too Far." So kind of, kind of, uh, I guess did some thought exercises, you know, exploring the use of crossbows and, and archery in general and things like that. So interesting conversation. I don't know, Jeff, do you have anything to add about that conversation? No, not really. I mean, it was very good timing, you know, when we kind of released that episode. Um, because Raven had just released their crossbows, which, you know, some of that, their crossbows were really pushing the question of, have we gone too far? So, yeah, I think one of their new bows technically doesn't meet the definition of a crossbow, Ohio's definition of a crossbow. Because the definition of a crossbow in Ohio specifically mentions um, transverse limbs. And this thing doesn't really use limbs. It uses like a, a helical coil type thing to, to generate the energy. And so a lot of you guys, yeah, listeners, also, had, had sent us uh, some of that stuff after that episode went live. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Also, I think the Raven bow, I think Ohio's definition of a crossbow um, requires an overall length, a certain over, overall length. Yes, it does. Which I'm not sure why. And that that bow doesn't that bow is only like 18 inches or something like that. So it doesn't fit that either. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was. Yeah, it's super short. stubby. Yeah. Yeah, they the uh, the. Uh... The overall length, a stock at least 25 inches in length and having a working safety. They put that in there also. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so I guess um, in that similar vein, we were going to talk today about new products, you know, not not necessarily controversial. I don't know. I hate to say controversial, but it, those these two conversations are are a little different in that this one is more just, you know, making people aware of some of the new product announcements, things that we thought were interesting may impact, um, hunting in Ohio, that, that kind of thing, you know, that conversation was more, you know, exploring have our, you know, our crossbows still archery. So anywho, that's, I guess a long way to say that's what we're going to talk about today. So you guys done anything outside real quick before we get into that conversation? Any outdoor? Oh, Jake, you owe us an update on uh, taking your your buddy out hunting for the first time. I do owe you that update. Unfortunately, the uh, update is negligible. We didn't see <laughs> anything. 
Um, I mean, that's hunting, like we've said before on here. That's why they call it hunting, not shopping. Um, we didn't have any luck. Uh, he picked up quick on, I mean, like I said before, he had done some shooting, so he picked up quick on using the crossbow and shooting it. So, you know, he was nailing the bullseye on the target pretty quick. So, you know, he got comfortable with that. And then I put him in the blind and nothing. Well, a funny story. I didn't tell you guys this story, but and this is, I guess, on me for not checking. Um, we get there, get out of the truck. He was using my bow. I borrowed dad's bow and you know, I, we running out of the house cause it was rushed and we're running out of the house and I had not put my broadheads back on my arrows. So they still had field tips on them. And luckily he said something to me. He's like, are those the right arrows? <laughs> and I was like, Oh crap. No, let me go get the broadheads and screw those on. So I did that real quick. And then we got there and, you know, he jumped out the passenger. I jumped out the driver's seat and we're both loading bows and heading off, you know, cause it was kind of short on time. Cause that day I, of course, you know how it is when you have somewhere to be, everything runs over. Yeah. So I had to pick my daughter up from kindergarten and the pickup line was slow for some reason, something delayed it. And I was like 15 minutes later than I wanted to be. So we're rushing around and I, you know, I'm walking him back and okay, there's your blind, you know, go around the back of it. There's a zipper. There'll be chairs in there, you know, and he goes in there whatever. And I go over to the other blind. We hunt, no one sees anything. We're heading out. Well, I got to discharge the bows. So I get the discharge arrow out and I shoot dads. No problem. I loaded the discharge arrow into mine, which he had been using and he had loaded and it didn't, I go to pull the trigger and it doesn't go off. Well, he hadn't cocked it all the way. Oh, he had it resting on the dry fire mechanism, not fully loaded back into the trigger mechanism. Yeah. Because with my bow, if it's not, it's kind of backwards, but I think a lot of bows are this way. If it's the safety's not in the fire position, you can't load the string into the trigger box. It just won't go. Right. And then as you load it, it switches it from fire to safe. Well, usually then, you know, because then you shoot the arrow and then you leave it in fire, essentially. It's unloaded, but somehow it had got put back into safe. So then when you went to load it, it didn't load into the trigger mechanism, the trigger box. So if he would have saw a deer, he wouldn't have been able to shoot it anyhow. Oh man, he'd have been panicking. So, he'd have been Yeah. Like, what yeah. would you so it's <laughs> maybe a good thing yeah. that he didn't see anything. But yeah, so that was kind of a after the fact funny thing. Wouldn't have been funny if it would have prevented him from shooting a deer, but Yeah. Yeah. Um, I lost the deer that way. You know, had a deer walk right up on me and I had my bow cocked to the dry fire prevention mechanism and that's it. And, you know, I'm pulling the trigger and it's not going off and this deer's just standing there looking at me. Of course. So, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it, it just stood there and looked at me and then gently moseyed off like... 
I'm just sitting there <laughs> trying to shoot it. And I, I think I at some point realized, but I was in a tree stand and couldn't really cock, you know, I couldn't really cock the crossbow in the tree stand. Right. Yeah. yeah. You want to know the uh, downside of a crossbow and a, try to cock one in a tree stand. <laughs> Things get pretty hairy pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> but I told you guys a story similar kind of dry fire mechanism story. I when I walk, when I I'm hunting, you know, and I'm carrying my bow, I'll load it, but then I'll put the arrow in and I won't load the arrow. You know, I won't push it all the way back through the dry fire mechanism. I'll just kind of put it up against it so that if something were to happen where the safety got clicked on and a twig caught the trigger, the bow wouldn't go off. Um, But I can, you know, the arrow's already in there on the rail, so I can quickly, if I were to pop over a hill and see something, just slide that arrow back and I'm ready to rock. Mm -hmm. Well, I had done that, you know, and I do the same thing when I'm climbing the tree, you know, I pull it out if I, you know, but I'll leave it in the rail sometimes, but I'll have it pulled out where it's still held in there by like the, there's a little brush thing that yeah. holds it in place. But, um, while I'm lifting the bow up, same thing. I don't, you know, as I'm lifting the bow up, I don't want it going off and whizzing up by my head or shooting, down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I had, I was hunting, but I had never set the, pushed my arrow back and I had that same thing. I had deer. I lost a deer. I didn't, I ended up killing that deer cause it was dumb, but, um, same thing. I didn't push that arrow all the way back. So I went to shoot a deer and it was thwing, <laughs> cause it shot and caught on the dry fire mechanism. <laughs> uh. And luckily the deer was dumb and just stood there and looked at me. So then the minute it went behind a tree, I hurried up and, got my boat situated to where I could cock it back, but I had some, uh, I've had trouble with that before. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's a bummer that, uh, you guys didn't see anything, but that seems to be the way it goes a lot of times. And, you know, especially that those late season hunts, you either see a pile of deer or you see nothing, you know, it's, they're either there or they're not, but yeah. And they were not, and I've hunted a few times since then, and I've just been missing them. I don't know what it is. I pull the camera, and they're there when I'm not. And then when I'm there, they're not. So yeah, part of that could be because I'm not as diligent or careful with my scent control and that kind of stuff this time of year. Because a lot of times it's last minute. Oh, there's a snowstorm. Oh, my wife will be home in time. I'm going to run out and sit. Yeah. So the thing, you know, I'm throwing stuff together and that could be part of it or part of it could just be that I'm there when they're not. Like you said, this time of year, it's much harder to pattern them. It's much harder to, like you said, you're either into them or you're not a lot of times. There's nothing really. All right. Well, should we get into our conversation on new stuff that's been uh, announced here recently? Sounds good. So, so. Basically, we all kind of at least picked one new thing to talk about. So is anybody itching to go first or? I can go first. All right. Um, 
So the thing that I, I guess, came across or I'm going to talk about a little bit is um, 350 Winchester came out with uh, 350 Legend ammo specifically for self-defense. They call it the Defender or their Defender line. Um, but it's for 350 Legend, which, you know, as anyone who's listened, that's a new ish newer cartridge has been around what two years now something that right? like that yeah i don't, two I don't know years, exactly like that. yeah yeah it was uh, announced at shot show two years ago two years ago all right so um a lot of guys love it some guys hate it that's a different conversation i guess but what was interesting to me i guess when i first looked at it and saw it is that they're making it as a self-defense round and i don't I wouldn't really think of a 350 legend as a self-defense caliber. <laughs> um, but I guess maybe other people well, what, would disagree with me. Well, that, it was interesting when you said that because I mean, what, what defines a self-defense caliber at that point? I, mean, I guess in my mind, I think of self, I was, the more I've researched it, the more I've opened up my mind of self-defense, I guess. In my mind, when I think self-defense, I think of like an intruder breaking into my house. Right. So I think of like handguns, short fire combat, like no more than 50 feet away. Like handguns, shotguns type thing. Yeah, like real short. Yes. Um. That's in my mind what I think of self-defense because the way that the laws are written in Ohio, like I'm not a lawyer, so don't quote me on any of this, but um, basically there's, you can't shoot somebody at 150 yards and call it self-defense. Right. Well, um, I mean, there's, there's two elements here I kind of wanted to talk about. And I mean, one is if that person at 150 yards is shooting at you, Absolutely, you can. You know, I mean, absolutely, you could. That's, I mean, okay. I hadn't thought I can about agree that. With what, I can agree with what you're saying, Jeff. But, but and from a legal point of view, I still think you're going to, you still put yourself at extreme risk shooting back at someone at 150 yards. I, I mean, I guess. They, if they lawyer up. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess what you're saying is, you know, you have a much better, op, you know, more opportunity to retreat, but right. I mean, um, uh, but I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, I guess if they're shooting at you, that's different. Um, right. And then this is just me being naive, I guess. I didn't know until I just looked it up what the big difference between like hunting ammo and self-defense ammo and why they would even need to make a self-defense round in a hunting caliber. Um, but I mean, I looked into that now, so it makes a little more sense. I mean, well, hunting what, what did you find in that? Um, hunting rounds are designed to kill or do their damage basically with, um, shock or like, you know, it's weight retention and shock to the system. That's how hunting rounds are designed to kill. They're not necessarily designed to, fragment and do a lot of internal damage in the sense of like a self-defense round is designed 
to have lower velocities so that you don't have pass through, which makes it safer so you don't hit bystanders or through someone and right. hit something behind it. Um, right. So they, they're much more expansive. They expand quicker and stay in. You know, they're designed to only penetrate whatever, 12 to 18 inches at the most um, right. versus a hunting round, which is designed to. I mean, if you got a quartering away deer, right, you got a lot more right. than 18 inches to get through. Right, right, right. And yeah, I thought the same thing when I first saw, because they made this, you know, extended their defender line and made a, a 308 too. And it's like, why do you need a home defense you know, 308 round, like anything, anything you shoot someone with a 308, you know, that person's going to feel it, (laughs) you know, like, because a lot of times with self-defense rounds, it's souped up rounds, really, you know, with handguns, it's, it's really hot rounds and it's ultra expansion rounds, you know, a lot of plus B stuff, but yeah, with the 308, they're actually limiting the power and dialing the power down to prevent overpenetration. You know, because if you if someone comes in your house and you shoot them with 308, like you're almost guaranteed to go all you know to have complete a complete pass through. But yeah, you could you could pass through every wall in your house with a 308. Yeah, you know, right. And I think what this all kind of boils down to is the popularity of ARs for home defense. Right. And the 350 legend is, you know, can be run in an AR platform. Right. Right. I think that's kind of where it boils down to. And this is what kind of what you said, Jacob, about home defense is when you think about home defense, you think of a handgun or a shotgun. And that's why some people have such a big problem with ARs, even though ARs are a valid home. You know, they're easy to use. They're easy to use. And accurate, you know, like I can teach someone how to accurately shoot with an AR a lot easier than I can a handgun. Oh, and I can navigate. I mean, unless you buy a special home defense shotgun that has a shorter barrel, like I can navigate my house doorways and things with an AR much easier. I mean, even, you know, 16 inch barrel AR much easier than I can a, you know, a shot, a shotgun with a field barrel on it or, or something, you know. I mean, right. slug barrels are, are generally shorter, but if you're shooting, you know, double op buck or something as a as a personal defense home defense round, you're not shooting that out of a rifled slug barrel. You know, that's a, a either a you know a short barreled, just a bead on it, sort of home defense barrel, or you're shooting it out of a field barrel. You know, trying to swing through doorways and and you know, maneuver hallways and things with that. I mean, there's a reason that the military uses those things for clearing right. houses and things, you know, it's right. It's an effective tool. So, yeah. What do you guys think? They'll sell, sell them, sell a bunch of them or, or what? I mean, I certainly don't think it's going to hurt in the current climate. I mean, they can sell a bunch of every kind of ammo. So. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that's kind of the thing I found with SHOT Show this year is kind of us sports shooters didn't really get a lot 
because of the current climate and home defense, you know, defense rounds, self-defense rounds, yeah, like that kind of stuff. And then just like your very much recreational shooter kind of got all the attention this year. Yeah. You know, everyone came out with new self-defense rounds and everyone came out with like target shooting rounds. Very few people came out with any new innovation in hunting. Yeah. There I saw there were some new shotguns announced this year, I think, or or like expansions of existing lines, you know, to include other calibers or configurations or whatever for for yeah. shotguns. Yeah. That uh I don't know if you guys saw this. This isn't one that I had in mind to talk about, but uh that Stoger Snow Goose, did you want to guys yeah. see that? I saw that, yeah. Yeah. That that that's a pretty cool gun. Got you got got your uh piqued your interest? Yeah, I mean not necessarily, you know, I don't hunt in snow that much. But if I was a a snow goose hunter, you know, an avid avid snow goose hunter, you know, with that late season, early, you know, and a spring season. Yeah. You know, I'd I'd be really interested in that cuz it's, it's uh cool. Is there I I didn't I mean I saw it. I didn't look into it. Is there anything special about it other than like the white paint job uh i think it's got like some ridiculous extended uh tube mag on it oh i did see that yeah yeah which is common for snow goose guns you know because i don't know what you guys know about snow goose hunting but uh yeah there's (laughs) there's special snow goose seasons in mostly in the spring conservation season and it's basically no no holds bars like all the rules that you typically think about for waterfowl hunting don't apply basic i mean like you can use electronic calls you don't need to plug your shotgun bag limits are ultra high um extended hunting hours okay and you know so and because it's no holds bars kind of and because snow goose fly in giant flocks a lot of times the birds are really smart so there's a high need for camouflage you know your guns to be camouflaged a lot of uh Shell manufacturers make special snow goose rounds that just have, you know, the hulls and the wads are designed to blend in with the snow. Oh, really? Yeah, because if you, you know, if they see a bunch of black dots or red dots or, you know, down amongst that, you know, people feel that that can spook the birds. Hmm. So it's cool that a company came out with a gun you know that's not aftermarket there's nothing aftermarket about it like this is our snow goose gun right yeah tailor made for for that right Right. that type of hunting yeah so okay well jeff you want to go next or you want me to go uh well i can continue down the 350 legend vein that we kind of um so one thing I found cool was that Winchester came out with uh, a a copper 
350 legend round. It's their deer season XP. Um, but it's a fully copper bullet for people who can't, Uh you know, legally can't use lead or, uh, who don't want to shoot lead. You know, some people get concerned about the health implications of shooting lead bullets. And some people are really concerned about the, uh, environmental effects of shooting a lead bullet. Sure. You know, so uh, so it, you said it's their their deer season XP. Yeah, it's their deer season XP, and then it's let me see because it's not all of their deer. It's right. I was going to say they're going to yeah. continue to offer their, their regular standard yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Copper impact deer season XP copper impact. Oh, okay, I hadn't so, seen that. Yeah. And then uh, Browning is now offering their full metal jacket rounds in uh 60 packs which i thought was kind of cool they're they're 350 legend yeah they're oh, 350 okay. legend like they just call their three they're it's just called the browning 350 legend fmj okay you know, i don't have a clever name for it yeah yeah but it's they're gonna offer it now in 60 packs which is cool um and i don't know what you guys know about that either but uh their full metal jacket round is it's uh like 120 it's roughly 125 grain okay um so it's really light it's a it's a nine millimeter bullet shooting out of a 350 legend that's what it is so it's very fast so it you know kind of opens up some different applications for it maybe you know into some other kinds of hunting you know you could probably use it for you know coyote hunting without spending an arm and a leg for ammo or you know varmint hunting you know if you want to practice with your deer gun kind of thing well you know you say without spending an arm and a leg because i was going to ask you you know any any word on price on the 60 packs or the the all copper but you know it with at the current uh, state of things who knows what uh, the price is going to be yeah yeah i didn't see a word on price i assume that the 60 pack was designed to have a cost benefit to it right you know be cheaper um and i would assume the all copper ones will be pretty expensive yeah i mean just the price of copper is is expensive Mm -hmm. so we need to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor mastin's deer sense so mastin's is a deer scent company you guys have heard me talk about them before they make really high quality deer scents and not just liquid scents but they also have scented gel crystals they have their double scent stacker which is is a great hunting tool this time of year, you heard me talk about monster whitetail grub and using that to get deer in front of your camera to keep an eye on on when the bucks are going to shed their antlers. You can do the same thing with deer scent. Put a scent wick out, get some scent out in front of your deer stand or in front of your trail camera, excuse me, and use it as another way to get deer in front of your camera so you can keep an eye on when they're shedding antlers and when you should start looking for uh, sheds. You can also use it in the spring 
for monitoring fawns, you know, when, when the does are starting to drop fawns. So lots of ways you can use deer scent, not just in during hunting season, if you will. So check them out. Go to mastinsdeersense.com. Check out what they have to offer. You can order right from their website. They'll ship it right to your house. And we've had really good luck with it. So again, mastinsdeersense.com. And then to kind of continue down the 350 legend vein, uh, there was two two companies who added 350 legend, you know, to their rifle lineups. Um, Franke is now going to offer a 350 legend, and uh, Howa, I think oh. that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah. Which Howa's known for basically being like very affordable long range guns yeah more precision um, stuff right yeah who's there uh randy new newberg yeah 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 he's, he's the one yeah but uh they're now adding 350 legend to their lineup so that's cool you know gives you more options and if you really want to shoot a 350 legend long range and you know want to get a gun specifically designed for that you know now you have that opportunity it seems like every i mean pretty has i think everybody you know may you know uh, let me try that again it seems like everybody that makes like hunting type rifles or guns now offers at least one gun in a 350 legend. I mean, yeah. Well, Remington's yeah, now when, defunct, but right. Well, I guess not, you know, like your, you know, Marlin or, you know, they don't they don't offer, but uh one of them is coming out with a single shot, I think. Either Marlin Henry. or Henry. Henry, Henry is okay. Yeah. Yeah, I knew one of the two was. But I mean, you know, CVA, Thompson Center, they, you know, they both are offering a 350 Legend rifle now. You know, yeah. of course, you know, Mossberg, Ruger, Winchester, um, Savage. lots of options. Savage, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, Winchester has done a very good job at promoting their round. Yeah. You know, because there's been a lot of other rounds introduced, you know, that, are at least in in the same realm comparable but you know we're a flash in the pan yeah you know there's a lot of am, ammunition that's on the market that is basically obscure no one makes guns chambered in it you know so they they did a very good job uh promoting it yeah creating a demand and if there's a demand people will make them yeah all right, so is that the things you wanted to touch on, or you got anything else? Uh, I had a couple other things. Uh, so Howa's parent company is Legacy Sports International. I don't know. I don't know if you guys knew that, but no, no um, I didn't. Yeah. So another one of their brands is Citadel. Have you guys heard of Citadel? Um. 
I I want to say yes, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what products they make. Yeah, Citadel's known for making they're they're almost exclusively a home defense sort of arms brand. Okay. Um, they also make some target shooting like. Uh, like they make a an M1 carbine that is a a 22 long rifle. Okay. Like they they they're not really known at all for making hunting firearms. Um, but they came out and they actually came out with this in the summer, but they had you know their virtual shot show booth featured. Um, they came out with a, a lever action. They call it the lever tack, uh, 92. So basically what it is, it's a Rossi 92, you know, lever gun, but mm-hmm. it's tactical. Like it, you know, is designed to look tactical, which is so like a hot thing right now. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot. It's got a barrel shroud. It's. You know, bolt stuff to it. You can. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got a weaver bar on top. Yeah. So it that that was cool because it's. Because it's a, a little bit of a lesser brand, you know, you can get your hands on one for cheaper than what you're going to find, you know, Marland or Henry making a tactical gun for. Yeah. And what I found really cool was that they offer it in 450 Casul, which is, oh. you know, if you're looking to to shoot a 450 Casul, like that's what you want. This is a pretty good option. So what are you, you guys' know? thoughts on tactical lever actions? Have we talked about this before? I think we have. And I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it. Yeah, that's that's my best description is I have mixed feelings. When so when I and I don't know, I don't because now that I say this, I do think we we've talked about this before and I don't remember what I said before. But when I initially saw him, like I would see pictures online and I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like because I think I saw a picture <laughs> where it was basically it looked like they took they just mashed an AR-15 and a lever action receiver you know like the 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 handguard and everything was like straight ar-15 rail mashed onto a lever action and i was like i I just don't get it but now that they're more refined and less (coughs) i'll say you know quote tactical and they're more practical i'm on board i think it's 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 reinvigorated interest in lever guns which i you know i think is is cool i you know i think having them come with the threaded barrel you know maybe the option to attach something out front that's sort of tastefully done like you know the the uh you know i think the marlin or the uh i think they both marlin and henry both have the ability but it's just a short little section you know you could put a bipod on or you know, if you wanted to run it as a as a home defense gun, you could put a light or or something like that. You know, and having the sling stud mounts built into the stock, and you know, 
I don't know that that makes it tactical, but with the polymer stocks, you can, you know, it's, it's easier to, to have those features. And so I'm on board. I like them. I also think, you know, cause a lot of times mounting a, an optic on a lever gun is, you know, can be depending on what you got there can be kind of funky. And I think most of these, you know, sort of tactical lever guns come with, you know, your basic weaver rail or, you know, pick rail or something. So. Yeah. I'm, I, I have mixed feelings on it for sure. Um, cause it, it, it definitely takes something away from like that old classic look, you know, it's a big departure from that. Yeah. But I also now kind of think like, well, a lever gun can be a viable home defense gun, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that I didn't used to really think about. Right. But yeah, I mean, a lever gun in 44 or, you know, 357 can really be a a viable home defense gun and can really provide a pretty high rate of fire. Yeah. You know, high rate of fire for a smaller, you know, a smaller caliber round, a round that, you know, you feel more comfortable shooting in a home and not, you know, thinking it's going to go all the way from one side to the other. Yeah. I mean, you get those bigger, slower moving, but like you said, a 44 mag or something, a bigger, slower moving bullet. Right. You've got less concern about, you know, that over penetration blasting through walls and things that you would have on a, you know, even a two, two, three. I mean, that's a right. fast moving bullet. Right. Right. Yeah. 40, you lot less worry about the over penetration through walls, but a 44 Magnum is one heck of a round, you know? Right. I mean, you shoot someone with that and you know, it's a very viable to, uh, stop the attack. Right. So I, I like it in that realm. If I saw a guy deer hunting with one, I might make fun of him. Oh, I'm getting one now. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, especially like, you know, with like a red dot on it or, I mean, and if I knew that they were using it, like, you know, if it's someone basically who's doing like deer drives and like dense brush or whatever, you know, where that is a viable gun for, but if they're going and sitting in a tree stand with one or something, I'm probably making fun of them. I, this sort of spurs another thought here is like, I have this ongoing struggle with, I love the look of wood stocked guns. I, you just, I mean, a nice walnut stock, it's, you know, they're they're just nice to look at but man is it the way we hunt tears them up (laughs) yeah yeah you know and so like on one hand i'm like i i just don't want the plastic stock but on the other hand it's like well i don't have to worry about it then you know it's just uh, you know i don't know I, i have this like ongoing internal debate you know because every you know everything now is you know it seems to be going into some sort of polymer plastic some of them are are of course nicer than 
than others and more well done, but you know, with just like fit and finish. But <clears throat> yeah, I have this internal uh, struggle with that. Yeah, you know what I'd like to see, uh, you know, one of the lever gun companies make is something that yeah, just a more rugged uh, lever action. You know, give me a polymer stock like one of those, especially like one of those like rubberized ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Cerakote, it. You know, from the manufacturer. Yeah. You know, just something more rugged. I, you know, because, you know, a gun that's really designed to be used and abused. Yeah, because they, I mean, some of them, I mean, you can get the polymer stocks now, but I think you can also get, like, the stainless barrels, right? But Yeah, yeah, you can get stainless and polymer stock, but it, I don't know, it's, I think that that's, First off, I think stainless is a more expensive option than just seracoding it from the factory. Yeah. You know, because especially shotgun companies now are really getting into that. And those guns are pretty, pretty affordable. So. Yeah, factory seracote has got to be, I mean, when they're doing them in mass like that, you know, because to have a gun, you know, because I've thought. You know, I've got a, you know, an 870 Express with that Parkerized finish. Like, I'm just going to get the thing Cerakoted so I don't have to worry about, you know, it getting wet or it raining or snow, you know. And it's like, you start looking into it and it's like, man, it's just an 870. I don't know that I want to spend that much money on, uh, you know, having the, po- right. the, the parts coated. Yeah. Well, and yeah I, I mean, before all this, you know, boom and gun prices and ammo prices you'd look at the price of Cerakote and you could buy a new 870 <laughs> just about yeah you know what i mean yeah. but now not anymore because you can't get your hands on anything guns and ammo wise but yeah yeah i uh looked at getting one done and found a guy who you know offered it for a fairly reasonable price and when i actually reached out to him he said Oh yeah, I'm not allowed to do this for individuals. Like, you have to have an FFL. Oh. Like, through his, uh, like through his distributor. You know, so I'm I'm wondering if there isn't some sort of monopoly. You know, I didn't pry into it too much, but if there isn't some sort of monopoly that is artificially kind of raising the prices. Hmm. Because he said, yeah. "Yeah, like I, I used to be able to, but I'm, I'm not allowed to anymore. Like, you have to go to an FFL, give them your gun, and then they can send it to me." I wonder why an FFL. Yeah, I, I think it's just a, you know, just a way to raise the prices. You know, control the the market yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because it has nothing to do with the needing an FFL, right? I mean, it's, you're not, it's. Right. Yeah, he just, I, yeah, it has nothing to do with that. It just, I think, has to do with that's the way that they want their business to flow. Hmm. Yeah. So, I I think it's a, a lot cheaper of a process than even 
what you know retail prices show so even if especially in bulk it would be a lot cheaper yeah i a guy at work said he's done it before at home um but i think it was just on small like i think he bought a a uh oh what am i like a toaster oven you know one of those small ovens because you got a it's a baked on the the good Cerakote is a baked on coating, but you don't, I mean, it's a chemical. You don't want to be putting it in your kitchen oven. So I think he was doing handgun parts or or stuff like that. You know, you're not going to fit a whole shotgun barrel or whatever in a, in a, you know, toaster oven or something. But he said he was having some, you know, a fair bit of success doing that. But, you know, so I guess if you really wanted to, you, you know, maybe get a, an old oven at a yard sale and, keep it in your garage or something and I don't know. All right. Anything else or should I talk about my item there, Jeff? Go ahead and go into to yours. All right. So we've, you know, we mentioned Savage a little bit here, you know, offering 350 legend rounds. So so Savage announced a a new rifle platform that's you know, it, it piqued my, my engineer brain. There's, there's a lot of sort of interesting engineering that, uh, has gone into this. And at the moment, it, you know, it's not a legal, it's not chambered in any legal calibers right now, but I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I would expect to see the caliber lineup expand, um, as, you know, they roll this, this rifle platform out. So it's, it's called their, their Savage Impulse rifle. And the, the big sort of interesting thing about this that, you know, you, you see a lot of people talk about is it's a, it's a bolt action rifle, but it's a straight pull bolt. So traditionally a bolt action rifle, you have to lift the bolt handle pull the bolt back to cycle the round, push it forward, and and rotate the bolt handle back down. This rifle, it still has a bolt handle, but it, it just pulls straight back. There's no lifting, pulling, pushing, and putting it down. It's just a put it's just a pull push to cycle the rifle. And they they the way they are doing this is they're using what's called their their hex lock hex lock bolt system so traditionally on a you know on a, a bolt action rifle there's typically like two lugs out on the end of the bolt that lock into the barrel that you know basically seals everything up contains the pressure and the gun can be fired this is using uh, it, they're they're ball bearings. If you're familiar with the like an air hose chuck, how you pull back on that. You, if you look down in there, you can see those little ball bearings. And you pull back on the collar, and it allows those ball bearings to kind of fall away. You can connect the the air hose to it, and then you let that collar mm-hmm. go, and and those ball bearings lock that that uh, I guess the male end of the air hose in. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Very similar system from what I can tell. I mean, I haven't looked at one, but the they give like um, 
translucent 3D CAD models and, and you know, little short video clips of, of the rifle cycling. That looks like what they're using is, is a ball bearing lock system instead of those metal lugs, which allows that's how they're getting around needing to rotate the bolt in order to open the action. You pull back on that handle. I'm assuming some sort of internal mandrel pulls back. Those ball bearings can now collapse. The bolt can be pulled straight back, pushed straight forward, and it locks locks up again. I like it. It's cool. It's engineering. I'm hoping that it that it functions well as far as not being finicky on grit and grime, you know, and not, you know, you know, not being able to, to chamber around because the, there's a piece of dirt or something that got in the, you know, in that mechanism. I mean, they, they use it successfully on, on air hoses, which are never in a ultra clean environment or typically not, you know, it's, gas station air hose or a, you know, a mechanic air, you know, whatever, right. That's a dirty environment. So in theory, it, it should be able to function in those type of environments. Um, so I like that. That's cool. It's, it's, I don't know that it's completely novel. I, I, I was hearing some things on, on the interwebs, you know, about older rifles that had uh, straight pull actions or I want to say I read somewhere that somebody said, you know, like a lot of European, like this is more common in like European rifle platforms for some reason. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they caught on over there and, and they didn't hear or something like that. But Savage is claiming that, you know, there's, they've got a handful of, patentable features on this that comes with their their AccuFit stock it comes with their AccuTrigger the AccuTrigger is great I hear a lot of good things about I've not shot the AccuTrigger but I hear a lot of good things I've got a a, a Savage Axis that does not have the AccuTrigger and I you know maybe it's the the copy I got the gun I got but Man, that is a not a great trigger. It's it's heavy. It's got, it's got a fair bit of creep in it before it breaks. It's just not it's just not a good like precision trigger. But the Accu triggers, I hear a lot of people say a lot of good things about the Accu trigger. So you'll see you'll often you know it's not hard to find somebody doing a budget thousand yard rifle build, and they are if they aren't using the savage some sort of savage platform with an accu trigger it's it was at least on their list of rifles to consider usually one of the main reasons is that trigger it's got a very nice adjustable trigger from the factory yeah i think i have a gun with an accu trigger i think my savage 17 hmr has an accu trigger i mean Does i haven't have- messed with it but i think it does does it have the like the blade in the trigger yeah it's got like a trigger safety yeah Yeah. yep yeah yeah and you like it yeah i mean i i like it 
just the way it came from the factory. I mean, it's pretty sensitive once you, uh, you know, push the trigger safety down. It's fairly sensitive. Yeah. You know, so it's a very accurate little gun. Yeah. So, so. I guess to continue on this, um, it's got pick rail machined right into the top of the the receiver and it's an aluminum receiver so it's lighter and the reason they're able to do that is the way they're it's almost um it's almost AR15esque in the way the barrel attaches to the receiver so there's a you know there's a barrel extension that that slides into the receiver and then this bolt you know your your steel barrel and barrel extensions slide into the receiver and then your bolt your steel bolt locks up in there and so you're not really you're not really because threading aluminum is is typically not ideal right you so instead of threading a barrel in it's sliding in and then there's a, a clamp similar with a with a lock nut system similar you know it's not an exact copy but similar to an AR15 barrel system and what is interesting and they haven't talked about this but because of that if you have these barrel extensions the barrel extension with the barrel lock nut controls headspace on the on the round. So in theory, it's four bolts on the bottom that clamp the barrel to the receiver. That whole thing slides out. And in theory, you should be able to swap calibers on this. I would think certainly on like a 223-350 Legend where it's basically the same parent cartridge you know a, a, a 350 legend ar all the parts are the same except for the magazines and the barrel right the the, right. the bolt and all that stuff is the same so now while i you know i'm in no way shape or form imagining that you'll be able to swap barrels and maintain you know point of impact you could in theory Again, Savage hasn't advertised this. They're not promoting this. But if you're a, a tinkerer type guy, you may be able to. It may be a rifle platform where you can swap calibers relatively easily. That's interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, because like you said, you'd have to. You wouldn't maintain port of impact, but for someone, not that. I'm sure this rifle would fall into the affordable category right now, but if you're someone who does two different kinds of hunting and I guess want one, you know what I mean? Even if you have to recite it in and whatever, make your changes, that's kind of two guns in one. If you, if you can truly have two calibers, I mean, they'd have to be similar because they have to be, you know, same relative size to be able to maintain all the same right PC parts, but that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so and I, I like the fact that the that pick rail is machined right into the receiver. I, I think that bodes well for accuracy. You're not you know, it's just one less layer for inaccuracy to creep in. You know, typically you get a, a rifle that just has it's drilled and tapped, right? The the receiver's drilled and tapped. And so then you've got to either buy rings that that fit those bolt holes or you've got to buy some sort of mount system, which I think is typically what people do. You're buying some sort of a a, a rail or some way to bolt an optic to it. So you're bolting that to the rifle and then bolting the scope rings to that rail, that weaver rail or pick rail or whatever. And uh, it just eliminates one of those areas where, you know, screws can come loose and all of a sudden you, you don't know why your rifle won't shoot anymore. You know, it's all over the place. Right. So it's interesting. I thought it was cool. Like I said, it kind of tickled my uh, engineering brain. The, the bolt, because when I first saw it, I was like, how are they locking it up? You know, it, like, is it a spring or something? But the bolt handle does rotate and rotate is, you know, because I said bolts on a, on a traditional bolt action rotates, but instead of lifting up to rotate, it, uh, uh, let, let me think here. How do I explain this? If you're looking at the side of the rifle, it rotates a few degrees front to back, meaning when it's locked, that bolt handle is a, is a few degrees forward toward the, the muzzle end. You shoot, when you pull back on that, it rotates a few degrees straight back toward the, the buttstock of the rifle. That's what's unlocking that mechanism, allows you to cycle it and push it back. And as you push it forward, you know, it hits a stop and, and that bolt handle rotates forward into that locked position. Got it. Yeah, because that's the part I didn't understand. Yeah. Now I get it. Because it's like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still not quite getting this. Yeah. But yeah, that, that explains it. So how does that, I'm just trying to visualize this, how does that work for carrying the rifle? You know what I mean? Like you whatever strap it to a pack i mean however you're carrying it carrying it in your hands i mean how tight is that bolt to where it's you know you're carrying it through some twigs small branch you know small trees and it hits a branch on that bolt sticking out from the side is that gonna pull it open possibly i, I didn't i don't know if there's a a bolt lock, but that's an existing problem on traditional bolt action rifles. Some, some bolt action rifles have a, like when the safety's on, it locks the, the bolt, the bolt can't be lifted. Right. But that sort of inherently induces a safety issue in that you need to take the safety off in order to unload the gun. Right. Some manufacturers have a, a three position safety that, uh, that, you know, like let's say all the way forward is safe bolt locked. The middle position is safe bolt unlocked. 
and the rear position is shoot, fire. Or maybe it's reverse of that, maybe forward. I think those like thumb safeties or whatever, you slide them forward generally to shoot, but you get the point. Um, I don't know. I didn't read anything on that. Like it, when the safety's on, does it lock the bolt closed? Right. Because a traditional bolt having to rotate it up to pull it back and then down, I mean, that when you rotate it down, it kind of locks it in most, you know, I shouldn't say most, but the ones I'm picturing in my head, it kind of rocks down into a almost like a channel in the stock to where it's it can't just fall open. You know, it's kind of stuck down in there, lays down against the gun nice or nicer, you know. Then when you rotate it up and pull it back, it sticks out from the gun at, you know, 90 degree angle. But this push one, the way I'm visualizing it, there's no way to like fold it down in tight against the gun. It's always going to be sticking out. Well, it doesn't stick straight out. It, it, it comes down like the side of the stock. Like it almost looks like a traditional bolt action rifle with the bolt closed. Like that handle comes out and down along the side of the stock. Okay. The, 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 the difference is it's all the way on the rear of the bolt, like the, the rear of the rifle, if you will. And okay. one thing you'll like, Jake, is that bolt handle can be flipped to the other side. So you can make it, Left with handed. no tools, I think you can flip it to the other side and make it for a shoot for a lefty. Nice. Yeah. So you don't need to buy a special left-handed bolt action rifle. You can just buy this one, which is ambidextrous and that bolt handle is just flipped to the other side and the mechanism works the same way. So I don't think I mentioned what, cal- so the calibers that it's currently loaded in. So right now it's chambered in 6.5 Creedmoor, 30-06, 300 Win Mag, 308, 22250, 243, and 300 Wisdom or Winchester Short Mag, if you want the full name. Um, and they they're offering it in like three different configurations, if you will. Their their hog hunter configuration, their big game configuration, and predator and y- I didn't write down the specifics of, you know, you get, I'm sure like different camo patterns are made available for one package versus the other. You know, maybe you get, um, a threaded barrel on, on the predator platform. I don't know. I, like like I said, I didn't look into those details, the, but the core rifle is the same. You just get some other little nuggets, I guess, when you, whether you buy the hog hunter model, the big game model or the predator model and only certain calibers are offered like, uh, 22250, I think is only offered in the predator line. I think six, five Creedmoor is offered in all three, you know, so 300 wisdom is only in the big game. So depending on what caliber you want, you may be locked into one of those, at least at the moment, you may be locked into one of those, um, Cat, I don't want to say platforms, but you know, categories of, of rifles. So, all right. Anything else you guys want to mention about new stuff you've seen? Um, 
The only other thing I can think of is that uh, in a lot of, uh, it seems like the popularity of 10 millimeter in hunting ammo has really gone up. You know, a lot of the companies were offering, you know, extending their ammo lines to, you know, their hunting ammo lines to include 10 millimeter. So those of you who want to hunt with your, you know, handguns or your, I mean, I think the only other people other than handguns are people who have high points in 10 millimeter, but you know, it seems like, uh, you're getting more options there. So I was going to say, is there any like, you know, pistol caliber rifle offerings, but yeah, you mentioned the high point. They, they offer yeah, that, yeah. that carbine or whatever in the 10 right. millimeter. Right. Which is an Ohio company. So I think, I think there's a fair amount of guys who shoot them, you know, Ten... in Ohio. I don't know a lot. I don't really know anything about the 10 millimeter caliber. Like it's, it's like somewhere between it's three, like 357 and 44 mag maybe, or, or is it not? Uh, it's somewhere in the realm. Of it's basically like a, a 40 cal is what it. Right. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's 40 caliber, 10 millimeter and 40 cal are interchangeable oh, okay. for like hand loading yeah. and that kind of stuff yeah it's somewhere in the realm of like a 40 smith and wesson and a uh 45 acp like that's kind oh, of okay okay that's kind of the the niche it's in and i think it's it might be more powerful than both of those but it's it's in that niche okay you know it's designed as a very i mean its original design was a a very powerful, you know, it was kind of to to bridge the gap, I think, between guys who shot 45s and 9 millimeters as, you know, in law enforcement. Okay. You know, so it kind of fits that niche of 40 Smith & Wesson, too. Gotcha. Okay. Well, for uh, you listeners, if there's, you know, something you saw that we didn't mention shoot us a shoot us a message and you know we'd be we're always interested to to talk new gear so send us a message and uh let us know what what things that you saw that you thought were cool so with that we will shut it off and talk to everybody next week all right so that's it for this week hopefully this was interesting maybe there were some products in there that you've already seen maybe there were some new ones in there for you so if there's something that we missed that, that you guys saw that uh, you think is relevant, let us know. Shoot us a message. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. The other thing I want to ask is as <laughs> Facebook and things start to get more restrictive, what platforms are you all moving to? Are you moving to a different platform? We want to be where our audience is so if you guys are using a different platform let us know and we'll look into it so with that i will let you all go and we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening <laughs>